The tasty non-alcoholic beverage I'm drinking right now is Halleck Cocktail's Dry Aromatic Bitters and Soda. Bitters and Soda is my go-to nighttime drink that I make by taking homemade soda water and adding 10 to 15 dashes of bitters. But the flavor in Halleck Cocktail's Dry Aromatic Bitters and Soda drink goes way beyond the normal one you can make for yourself or order at a bar. When you taste it, it is not overly sweet, and you get a bold and complex set of notes of clove, allspice, bitterroot, and orange peel. And with no sugar, it's the perfect zero-proof drink day or night. Hi everyone, I'm Marco Salazar and welcome to the For All Drinks podcast, your place for discovering delicious non-alcoholic beer, wine, spirits, mocktails, and more for leading a fun, healthy, and inclusive lifestyle. On today's episode, we'll be chatting with Eddie, Jamari, and Tobin, founders of Hella Cocktail. Hella Cocktail offers handcrafted non-alcoholic bitters and sodas, mixers, as well as a variety of flavored bitters that will raise the bar on your imbibing and culinary experience. They make each product in small batches, resulting in delicious zero-proof drinks and some of the best ingredients for making high-quality non-alcoholic cocktails. I'm excited for you to learn about the delicious non-alcoholic options that bitters provides. Thank you so much for joining us today. I first met one of the founders of Halleck Cocktail, Eddie, when I was starting my other social impact company, Be Social Change. At the time, they were called Halleck Bitters and were innovating on one of the most foundational ingredients of all cocktails, bitters. If you're not familiar with bitters, they are flavoring agents used for everything from stomach aches to cocktail recipes. They are the small bottles you typically see at the front of the bar and pack a lot of flavor in drop size doses. Plus, they are healthy and contain many powerful plant extracts imparting anti-inflammatory and antimicrobial benefits. Over the years, they have evolved to offer many more delicious non-alcoholic products with bitters at the center. In this episode, we discuss the origin story of the cocktail and how bitters are key to its evolution, how Eddie, Jamari, and Tobin began Halleck Cocktail by innovating on one of the key ingredients of delicious cocktails. We discuss new products they are creating for non-alcoholic beverage drinkers, as well as what it's like to create a beverage business with good friends. So here they are, Eddie, Jamari, and Tobin from Halleck Cocktail. Hey, Eddie, Jamari, and Tobin, and welcome to the For All Drinks podcast. Thanks for having us. I love that I have all three of you here, and I'm excited to chat with you all today because we connected a long time ago when you first started as Hella Bitters, and I'm excited to hear how the company has evolved into Hella Cocktails, offering a wide variety of non-alcoholic beverages and mixers. And I'll just be honest, bitters with soda is my go-to non-alcoholic drink in the evenings. And I'm super interested in talking to you about the history and culture of bitters and why it's relevant to this non-alcoholic drinking movement. So to kick it off, I'd love to hear from you all. Where did the idea for Hala uh, cocktails come from? Great question. Eddie, Jamari, and myself come from very different places. And what brought us together was this love for sharing. And that was really expressed through drinking and eating. Born in The company was born in New York City, in, in Brooklyn and in Harlem, in uh, kind of the 2010s. And at first, cocktail bitters were something we were making in a mason jar in our apartment. And what drove us to make bitters was a couple things. We loved to tinker. And having a small apartment, there wasn't a whole lot we could make in our space. And all you needed for bitters was a mason jar, some neutral grain spirit, 
and the willingness to search far and wide for the botanicals that are normally associated with cocktail bitters. And we had those things in spades. And it was just a a way to explore the craft culture of making cocktails in our own way. And of course, when you think about cocktail bitters, uh, especially 10 years ago, I can't believe it was over 10 years ago, there are very few options available. And for us, it was a way to expand our palettes and horizons and, and create ownership over that kind of often overlooked ingredient. Yeah. What's really interesting, when I drank bitters, it was typically in, say, an old fashioned or my favorite drink, Negroni. And it would add definitely a subtle characteristic that wasn't present. But I think you're pointing out something interesting where I would see the same bitters again and again at every single bar. And it seems like you all really innovated in a space that hadn't been innovated in a long time. That's super true. And when you rewind the clock back to that era and you think about the places where you could go and get a thoughtfully mixed craft cocktail, it was really a a subculture of food and beverage. It wasn't the community and, and vibrant market that you see now. I'm thinking of storied and awesome cocktail bars in lower Manhattan, like Milk and Honey and Please Don't Tell and Death and & Co. And there just wasn't a variety of bitters back then. And to your point about innovation, in order to make a name for ourselves in the space, we wanted to have a brand that didn't feel so exclusive and elitist. I think that back in the day, cocktails were like really hip. And it was hard to know how to order them when you went to the bar. And uh, we didn't love that. And so back to this ethos of wanting to share, the vision for Hella Cocktail Co. has always been about inclusivity and uh, making sure that we take the quality of the things that we make really seriously, but the brand is fun loving. And I think that you can really see that in the way that we present it to the community. Absolutely. And I think the other thing that's interesting is you all launched 10 years ago, and this was actually long before this non-alcoholic beverage movement really emerged. So really focusing on providing variety within typically alcoholic beverages, but now there's this non-alcoholic beverage movement. And I have to say, as I mentioned earlier, sodas and bitters is like my go-to drink. So how do you end up seeing Hella cocktail in the context of this non-alcoholic beverage boom? I think the way we're looking at bitters and soda and bitters in general is that uh, we've always wanted to share and showcase how bitters could be used in different vessels. And if we harken back to the days when we started, we would do things like pork rib rub recipes or uh, my mom made a cool like shrimp recipe with our citrus bitters. So we would always cook with it. TL was the master of making of, of making the, the candied bittered bacon with aromatic bitters in a baking pan for a few minutes. We were always trying to figure out different ways to showcase how bitters were used. And uh, one insight that we we grabbed onto early on was that uh, while tasting consumers out at your local Whole Foods or your local mom and pop retailer, we would taste them out using bitters and soda water or bitters and apple juice or lemonade. And so we were trying to showcase the potency and the, the diversity of the flavor, but some fear bitters newbie was very intense. And so we were using this other vessel again to showcase flavor. And the insight there was once you dashed, you know, some bitters into soda water, people just asked, do you make that? And I think uh, since then we've always had in the back of our minds that we were going to make this product. But at those, at that time, we didn't have the infrastructure or the capital or even the expertise to figure it out at that moment. 
I think from hella bitters to hella cocktail company is part journey of figuring things out and problem solving and like staying on trend and, and continue to share new ways to utilize the things we like to, to make and, and use ourselves. Yeah. And I love that you ended up sharing and pointing out the variety of places that bitters can be used. As Eddie pointed out, it was typically in kind of fancy cocktails. I didn't know what they were. When I would order a cocktail, I had no idea what they were putting in. It was just like this very small little bottle that would enhance the flavor, but it can be used in so many things. I think the other side is in food. You're create, you've created a product that can be used in all kinds of different occasions. And I'd love for those people that aren't familiar with bitters or don't even know what they are? Like what's the history and what are the ingredients that go into bitters? Once again, a fun thing to explore because the heritage of bitters is centuries old in this country and millennia old across the globe. And, and at the core, bitters are about capturing the medicinal power of plants in a tincture or an extract. And that legacy from millennia ago in you know, Chinese culture is uh, very big on the power of bitter and a lot of bitter herbs, uh, mushrooms, they're consumed regularly for health and well-being. If you look at the context of cocktail bitters in our culture or bitters in general, you really go back about 300 plus years. So bitters are a flavorful infusion of spices, fruit, and bitter root. And early on, bitters were, you, it was medicine in this country, right? You had every local quote unquote pharmacist because bitters predate the pharmacological movement. Uh, bitters were capturing local plants into a tincture and that tincture having real or purported health benefits. Where it manifested itself earliest was as actually like a hangover cure to help with an upset stomach the morning after drinking. Americans have a long history of loving to drink and maybe at times perhaps over imbibing. And early on, bitters were alcohol-based and you drink a dram in the morning. If you think about the hair of the dog, one of the reasons you feel hungover is your body's in withdrawal. You have a little alcohol in the morning and it would make you feel better. That evolved over time. And in the beginning of the 19th century, as people started mixing different ingredients out into alcoholic drinks, they created this thing called the cocktail, which is first defined in 1806 as kind of an electioneering potion that was made up of four ingredients, spirit of any kind, sugar, bitters, and water. Back then, water was water. Now we think of water in cocktails, it's almost always frozen, right? It's ice. Back then, unless you were rich, ice or it was winter, ice was harder to come by. But that idea of the original cocktail, including sugar and bitters and spirit and ice or water, really come to define the quintessential American cocktail, the old-fashioned which is one of the most, if not the most, sought after and ordered cocktails on the planet. And why was bitters a part of that? A couple hundred years ago, distilling and making spirits wasn't what it is today. And a lot of the spirits being distilled were not very good. They just didn't taste very good because it was, it was still an art. Early on, people were figuring out how to do it. And ingredients were sometimes questionable. Processes were questionable. So what better way to mask the, the harsh flavor of a distillate than with a little bit of sugar to sweeten it and some aromatic bitters to, to just change the flavor profile. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and I think you and Eddie and I were talking about this a little bit before the recording is that you, there's two elements that I'm thinking about bitters. One, the taste and taste enhancement, but I think the other is the functional, right? There are health and medicinal benefits to that. And you're straddling this really interesting thing where you wouldn't necessarily think as the, of that, or I wouldn't in terms of drinking alcohol, where it's not necessarily a positive thing for you health-wise. But I think in and of itself and by itself, bitters can have a positive can have positive effects on health. So one of the things I'd love for you to share is, so you started with a set of bitters and now you have a variety. What did that look like in terms of the evolution of, fla- of the different flavors that you have? Yeah. If you look at that continuum from like the dawn of the age of cocktailing to 2009, when you could only go to speakeasies to get a cocktail to today, rituals and behaviors evolving a lot in the cocktail space. And the way that we like to think about people today is every person is somewhere along the continuum of their personal cocktail journey. So we have people who are aware of cocktails, but don't really know how to make them and might be interested. And that person might love to buy a ready-to-mix cocktail mixer so that they can have a party with their friends, pandemic aside. And then there's people who are like in the middle and they're enthusiastic about cocktails. They want to learn how to make them, but they by no means would consider themselves to be an expert. And then there are, of course, people who are highly engaged in the category, professionals even, who want to know about the rich history and process behind making um, everything that they imbibe. And I think that this expansion of cocktails as a culture has evolved to include people who don't drink alcohol at all. And I think in so many ways, that's exactly what we're talking about here is the big tent of cocktailing. And, you know, nowadays, and especially amongst um, the people who are really for all drinks fans is they're going to be caring about that um, segment of imbibing that you can be on any point of that cocktail continuum, but you may be drinking less or no alcohol Altogether, And so as we as a company have grown our product portfolio, we've always wanted to make something to meet someone where they are along that journey. And so whether it's like traditional bitters flavors, that would be our response to heritage aromatic bitters that's been around for 200 years, or something that's maybe a little bit more exotic, like the smoked chili bitters that you said you love so much and is really great in meat rubs. There, you can present that as a level of narrative and sophistication to anybody dependent on what their, their propensity for cocktails is. And so we extend that same structure of thought to our mixers, which are, of course, just a standard grocery product. We always want to be the highest quality version of that mixer. When you look at the mixer cabinet in the grocery store, many of our mixers are are non-GMO. So we're actually speaking to like the, the better for you community while we're t- also talking about cocktails. And then um, there's the bitters and soda, which is taking that idea of the tribe wisdom behind the benefits of herbs like gentian, turmeric, and presenting them as a ready to drink sparkling beverage that people who love cocktails are already going to be familiar with, but people who love health and wellness are going to be really intrigued by. And so that's how we think about the development of flavors and line extensions in the context of what the the role they play in people's lives. In the neighborhoods, as they call them, you go to the barbershop and half the people in the barbershop don't even want a haircut. They just came to hang out on the journey. And so I think we want to be part of the consideration set for whether you're imbibing or you feel like that's not what you want to do today. Or in this moment, even if you're at the bar, so we want to make sure that we provide 
enough offerings and tools that make you feel like you're part of the neighborhood. And I think is an important part of this whole non-alcoholic beverage movement is that people are on that spectrum. But for so long, as part of that spectrum, the kind of no or low alcohol groups of people didn't really have access to delicious or complex types of drinks. And maybe someone didn't really know at a bar, give me a soda and throw some bitters in it. But I think this provides an opportunity for people to have something tasty while they're out and not necessarily feel excluded. And how are you all engaging in terms of the people you connect with when it comes to your different type of customer base? Because I know you can use bitters in cocktails or alcoholic drinks, but then there's this sober curious or people that are just not drinking. And how do you engage um, that diverse group of people? Well, if you um, were to look at our go-to-market approach a couple of years ago in, in, in recent history, we love telling our story in person. And so our primary awareness strategy for retail was always retail sampling, demos. There was a moment a couple of years back where we had 20 brand ambassadors on the payroll and they were foot soldiers going into the stores and hand selling the product. And part of the reason why that mattered so much is because so much education is required to talk about bidders and some education is required to help someone price shop between a cheap but low quality Bloody Mary mix and a somewhat more expensive but higher quality Bloody Mary mix. And that's, that's one approach. And as the, the paradigm of meeting people person to person has completely upended, we're trying to do that digitally. And I think it's a nice reflection of our ideas around the cocktail journey that we're in stores ranging from small um, mom and pop liquor stores that are embedded in people's neighborhoods to Walmart to, to Whole Foods. And we're working with people in the media space, such as For All Drinks, to speak to people who might be early adopters of our ideas that are probably more like in the sober curious low no space, but we also sell on Amazon and invest a lot of time and energy into making sure that our products are, have a maximum share of voice for people who are doing like in-category shopping for cocktails. I'd love for you all to, to give a little bit more detail on the types of bitters and drinks that you provide because you have these crafted bitters, you have mixers, and then you just came out with, you, you have bitter and sodas and you're about to come out with some other ones. So can you share with the audience the, the spectrum of all the different products you provide? So when we started as a craft bitters company, the goal for us was always to be bigger than bitters. Bitters were a great way to test our compatibility as a team, as operators, uh, our ability to make really tasty things. But we also realized that even if there was an opportunity to expand the category of bitters as the whole craft cocktail movement took off, it was still a category that was only going to reach so many people. And we wanted, we really, our story is about discovery, about approachability, inclusivity through the whole world of cocktails and non-alc drinking. So we were always looking to reach as many people as possible. And that led us from initially five flavors of cocktail bitters into a line of really um, super premium craft cocktail mixers, a Bloody Mary mix, margarita, spicy versions of both, a spicy bloody a habanero margarita, a Moscow mule mix, which was essentially or is essentially a ginger beer concentrate with the lime already added. So all you do is to build a mule, you would add 
spirit and club soda, or you can skip the spirit and just have a really good spicy ginger beer. Rosemary Collins is a newer addition to the family, right? A, an aromatic, botanically driven highball mixer, essentially, and an old-fashioned syrup, which is a botanical, a bitter syrup that people could use as a shortcut to make an old-fashioned if they were intimidated by cocktail bitters and wanted that really entry point consumer that was like taking the step to make an old-fashioned at home and wasn't quite ready for cocktail bitters. So this delicious botanical syrup. Jay talked a little bit about bitters and soda and how it fit into our roadmap and vision. And we first tried to create a viable bitters and soda in 2014 when we only had two flavors of cocktail bitters. Jay talked about this experience we kept having in stores where we would give people our bitters in soda water. People were like, you should just sell that. We saw the vision back then and we weren't we weren't ready to execute, quite frankly. A carbonated product has a lot of complexity to it and we didn't quite have the aptitude yet as a company. Fast forward to 2018. 19, we were finally ready to dive in there and we did a huge amount of R&D on our own. In fact, it was the 67th formula that we developed that we finally felt was good enough to put in a can. Wow. And then we got a very late in the game curve from one of our advisors because at that point we were just going to launch with one product, a spritz, which is this essentially beautiful non-alcoholic aperitif, sparkling aperitif that drinks like a spritz cocktail would and we were super proud of it and still are and then one of our advisors said consumers are really interested in no sugar or low sugar uh, options these days it's the trend and so we launched decided to co-launch two flavors really one flavor two variants one has sugar, the spritz, and one is zero sugar, the dry, which would drink a lot like what you like to drink at night, which is sparkling water with a few splashes of bitters in it. And it turns out that was really good advice. The dry, I think, in particular, really has connected with a consumer that has always wanted a packaged product like this, but one has never existed. And I think this is one of the scariest things for us is defining a new category. It's greater risk, greater reward. What we know just from being around for several years is there are people out there that love drinking bitters and soda. And our goal is to connect not only with those people and let them know we finally made a product for them, but that there are a lot of people beyond that, whether it's sober curious or just people that are tired with flavored sparkling water or looking for a really satisfying daytime kind of aperitif, something to drink during or, or after a meal. How do you all work together? What does that look like in terms of how you've evolved of your particular roles and your each of your roles or how you contribute to the evolution of Hella Cocktail? The really lucky part about the way this company was born is we were just pals. We were best friends when we started the very early days of Hella Cocktail Co. I met Tobin in the high school days, even though we lived uh, on opposite coasts, we had a mutual friend. And so he introduced us when we were like 14. And uh, even though in the grand scheme of things, JP is a new friend, we've still known him for 13 years now. <laughs> yeah, more than that. So it goes back. And this wasn't an idea that was just cooked up in a boardroom because somebody identified cocktails as becoming a, a major trend and mixers were going to be important to the rise of the popularity of spirits. 
we just loved doing it and loved talking about it and loved sharing it. And the, that is the fact that we have complementary professional skills and it was born so organically is one of the reasons why I think we've survived for so long. And so I'll just try to break it down in its simplest form. He's our CEO. He is our road warrior when it's safe to be. He's uh, out there doing the larger deals and trying to open bigger doors and working with distribution. Like we're not a direct-to-consumer company in our DNA, even though obviously it's become much more important to us in the time of COVID-19. In 2018, I would say that e-commerce might have been 5% of our revenue. And the rest of it is through shipping product in case quantities or pallet quantities through very traditional supply chain methods. In order to make those products that we have to ship, Tobin, we Tobin is our COO. Sometimes we endearingly refer to him as our chief liquid officer, even though I know it's a nickname he doesn't love, but he has stepped up to really own the supply chain that is in, intensely diversified for a company of our size. There's probably 15 individual components that goes into making every single thing that we make. Some of our products share those things in common. So imagine the, the multiplication of complexity when you start to just think about where the cinnamon needs to be in order to make your product if it needs to be like in Chicago so that we can, we need to have tomato paste in Chicago and we need to have gentian tincture in uh, New Jersey. It's crazy. And only recently have our systems really started to become industry standard levels of technology. And Tobin is our chief operator and he does all the purchasing and production of the product itself. And my role I come to this position with a background in um, media and web development. I'm a certified PMP project manager by trade. And so I've built a lot of websites, but these days I'm kind of like, I'm a designer by duress. We work with much smarter people on the creative side than me to make the blueprint of the brand, but I take those assets and deploy them across all the channels. And even 24 months ago, grocery e-commerce wasn't really a thing. Like you, maybe in New York City, you had Fresh Direct. And of course you could buy food stuff on Amazon, but it wasn't like the thing that it is now, certainly not in the last four months. And so as the direct to consumer division of the business has become more important to us, I've, I've grown to fill the needs of the business there as well. And so I think direct to consumer and communications would definitely be what I would describe to be my job within the company. One, it's great to hear all of that different perspective and how you all come together. And I think you pointed out something interesting. A number of uh, non-alcoholic brands that we've spoken to, 5%, that was an estimate that they had in terms of e-commerce, and that's completely switched. When it comes to people purchasing, have there been particular things that people are much more excited about and purchasing more when via e-commerce? Definitely. I'll take that too, since I'm already uh, holding the talking stick. We have some category leaders for sure. And I think sometimes people are making decisions based on um, price, variety, and value proposition. And we have a multi-pack of cocktail bitters, which is our, definitely our, our highest volume item on e-commerce. And it checks a lot of those boxes. Like I think the customer gets a lot of value for $35. You get all five flavors. Um, I actually think that's what might've triggered you to reach out to us is you remembered us because you came across that five pack, right? 
I did. And I'll, I have to say to the listeners, it was one of the best things that could have possibly happened to me. Um, it was right before the pandemic. I ended up getting my hands on one. And I think what was just so fascinating, and I think you're creating a product that you can have kind of anytime. And there were times where I was in the mood for something at a particular point of the day. And the ginger bitter was perfect, it, it, like sometimes of a hot day. But when I was wanting something a little more spicy, there was the smoky chilies. I think that variety pack is just a perfect introduction to bitters. Thank you. Yeah. And it's meant for a broad audience of people who are learning about bitters. If you were to buy the five ounce version of all of our bitters, of all five core flavors, you'd be spending like almost a hundred dollars. So the five pack is a really easy way for people to break in and get a bunch of stuff to try. But to your point about the smoked chili bitters, back to value proposition, I think that people make purchasing decisions based on flavor too. And habanero margarita has been um, our most popular regular mixer through e-commerce. For some reason, people want to be drinking margs during the pandemic. And on Cinco de Mayo, like it crushed. So that's interesting to see people be um, like gravitating towards something spicy. And then as we're performing this A-B test between the spritz and the dry, and we collect the data, we're learning that people care about zero sugar sparkling beverage options. And so the dry is, the, the numbers are not overwhelmingly lopsided towards the dry, but because we're making bets with very little and precious resource, we are focusing on the zero sugar characteristics of bitters and soda. And I'm very excited to say that the three new flavors that we're soft launching right now, and uh, hopefully the For All Drinks community will be hearing a lot more about real soon, are all zero sugar. You telegraphed what I was going to ask you next is, can you share a little bit about what these flavors are and why you pick these specific flavors? We spent a lot of time initially debating at discussing and trying different flavor profiles. So we settled on three and we did that a mix of empirical data and then what we really wanted to drink ourselves. And perhaps we thought other people would really like to drink and be excited about. So grapefruit is flavor number one, a natural for bitters and soda, because grapefruit, of course, is already known as being a bitter fruit. It's also, by a long shot, the most popular flavored sparkling water. I probably attribute to that statistic alone with how much grapefruit um, flavored water I drink, but that's one. Number two is lemon-lime. If you look at the history of bitters, there are a couple geographical locations and or cultures where bitters have really become embedded and are deep, wide. You would call them in these cultures, the Caribbean being one of them, like everyone knows what bitters is and everyone has consumes bitters in some way or they make their own. And there's a legacy drink from there called lemon-lime bitters. So flavor number two, lemon-lime. Citrus, once again, and it's botanical, it's bright, and it's a really unique drink. It's really good. And then the third one is ginger turmeric. And that's one we talked about turmeric and the functionality of some of these ingredients. Ginger as a flavor is, of course, really popular and continues to trend up. Turmeric as a functional anti-inflammatory has a, has a real popular following as well. And the combination is not unheard of. We really like that as the third new flavor because ginger is one of those flavors that has, it's widely approachable and has real super fans. 
and it it almost drinks like a botanical unsweetened ginger beer. We're really excited about that flavor. It's truly delicious and unlike anything out there. And we think that as a starting point, in contrast to the aromatic, which is our current flavor, which of course is a homage to aromatic bitters, which we use actually in all the formulas, have our aromatic formula in them. Aromatic is defined really by baking spices. So our original flavor has this, it's unlike anything you've tasted because it's not a flavor associated with sparkling beverages. So the new flavors are a little more approachable in terms of of kind of baseline awareness. And we cannot wait for people to try them. And I'll chime in there too, because this spice-driven flavor note of the aromatic bitters and soda flavors really shows in the consumer feedback that we're getting on Amazon. And um, I've never been more proud of a four-star review (laughs) because it's either a five-star review or a one-star review. And so those people who don't love it, it's because they don't like that particular flavor. And it's not so much that it's polarizing in that there's 50-50, half of the people hate it, half the people love it, but the flavor profile so has such a strong identity and is so bold that if it's not your thing, you're going to give it a one-star review. So the we think that was a really important thing for us to do because aromatic is like original flavor within the bitters community. And so we led with that, but it's also going to bring us some relief to have these more nostalgic, easier to understand, and probably more welcoming to a broader palate of the grapefruit, lemon, lime, which someone said tastes like Sprite, just like a zero sugar Sprite, but like thumbing their nose up to it. And then we all grinned because it's like Sprite is hella good. (laughs) People love Sprite. (laughs) So I think that was actually like actually a major compliment. And then just echoing Tobin's point about ginger and and turmeric superfans, there is an overlap between what we're trying to do and herbalism. And it's really hard to put a finger on it. And by just putting our flag, staking our flag in the ground and saying it's a turmeric flavored bitters and soda, I, I don't think you have to go any further in order for um, it to resonate with that customer. Absolutely. And, and I think these new flavors in the all five really provide options for anybody that has a different palate. Just like you said, that five-star person that, okay, I'm going to taste this, but enough for people to explore. So I'd love to hear, since I have all three of you, what's your favorite part of working at Hella Cocktail? My favorite part of working at Hella and being a part of the team here is that I think we can we get to continue to reinvent ourselves we get to continue to problem solve the way that we think fits best. And we get to, we're not at anyone else's opinion of what uh, success looks like, right? We're in, we're in control of our own destiny for the most part. And there's no ladder that says, this is what my opinion of where your where you're seat at the table is. And I think if you think about autonomy, problem solving, control of your fate, I think those things are like what are super attractive and and keep us still grinding is that we are in control of what we do next and we get to make the stuff we like. And it's our, it's our choice. Um, Love it. So I think there's some things that, that, that resonate. And I don't think, I don't think they all evolve in that evolution of the, that those ideas can always be fresh and it's up to you. Love it. Love it. Tobin. I love how no two days are the same. I love how I'm constantly challenged it's a hard job. 
and it's not one that is conducive with getting comfortable. If you get caught on your heels, then the ramifications could mean uh, any number of things. And I think the flip side of that is it's an environment that mistakes, you can make mistakes and have the opportunity to learn from them and get better the next time. And I think certainly for me and what I do, I'm constantly making mistakes and trying to learn and adapt and get better. And ties in ties into to kind of Jay's answer about we get to decide we're driving. And I think it's an environment where it's, although the stakes are super high, it's safe enough that mistakes are when they're made, you learn from them, you adapt, you grow, and you help each other grow. So it's, it's very much like Jay. Um, Jay comes from playing team sports. I come from pe- playing team sports. Eddie used to row crew back in the day. Like the team element of supporting one another that plays into the challenges of owning your own business, I think are definitely like always present. Awesome. Love it. Eddie? There's the three of us are on this call right now. And in the beginning, you alluded to how special that is. And there's just like a lot of love between these three guys right now. And but it's not always easy. It's like a brotherly love. And I think one of the things that I love most about being on this journey with these two guys is being there through the lows and the highs, you get to remember those connections again and again. And sometimes you veer a little bit and you lose sight of the broader picture. I've seen both of these guys have children since we started the company. And that's really special for that story to be part of the company story. And I think my favorite part about working with Hella Cocktail Co. is allowing for it to become part of the history of our friendship between the three of us. And hopefully the team will only to continue to get larger and we can create that culture of conviviality and community and love between more and more people. I, I was just going to say that we'd be remiss not to mention the amazing Helicoctail Co. team members here, here. that make almost the glue that binds us together. We have amazing, a small and amazing group of people that help drive this ship every day. So it is a team effort. And as both of you alluded to, or all three of you alluded to, you all are growing and you all have evolved. So where do you see yourselves in the future? What is, I know we're in the midst of a pandemic, but what's that future vision for Hella Cocktail Co.? What do you want to create? What do you all want to build? That's a great question. I think everyone probably has a, a different spin on the answer. But for me, when I see Hella, I just see the true optionality in your worlds, right? Like the option to continue to build legacy, the option to navigate in a different way, but the option is what we're always solving for. I don't think when I look at it, I'm like, oh, we're trying to be a billion dollar company. And a lot of people have these grandiose dreams, which are great if they if they happen, like great option, uh, the outcome. But I think as long as for us, each step on the journey, there's optionality there. We're all living remotely in different places now. I'm in New York, Tobin's in Michigan, Eddie's in California. And like that optionality grew out of the company, right? Like we were able to choose that optionality in that moment. As long as those things you know, are the opportunity at hand, then I think we're okay. Tobin? For me, every time we turn a new person on to a product that they haven't had before, or we change a person's opinion about a product, like the amount of times that I would do an in-store tasting and someone would come up and I'd be serving Bloody Mary mix. And they'd be like, I hate Bloody Mary mix. I'd be like, just try this. 
And every single time they would taste him, this is really good. I don't know if I hate Bloody Mary Mexican. <laughs> and that for me, I think is, is what it's all about. It's being a small part of someone's journey as they discover new tastes and flavors. And if that becomes a really big thing, that's awesome. Eddie? One thing, and it's not like the end-all answer to where I see us bringing this company and what I want for our future, but I really want to be the brand that takes bitters and soda and turns it into a legitimate beverage category that is an option to anybody who wants to reach for a cold, refreshing beverage. I was first exposed to bitters and soda when I was 18 years old, working behind a bar as a bar back. And it was the only thing that I could drink because it's you know a non-alcoholic idea. And then I moved to New York and there were many evenings where we would kick things off with a bitters and soda. And it was like this cool thing that we always shared and we loved it. Bitters and soda was like, it's like inside baseball. Bartenders know about it. It's like delicious, but cool at the same time. And if Hella can take it and push it to the place past the critical mass of consumer awareness, where suddenly bitters and soda is now just a drink, that would be an incredible accomplishment. And that's what I want to do. Love it. Thank you all for taking the time to share your story, your narrative, and all the awesome drinks that you are providing. I am a huge fan. I am continually drinking your drinks, both in terms of the bitters as well as just recently started with the sodas and excited for the launch of the new flavor. So where can people find you? Our website is helicocktail.co. We're uh, all over the social medias at Helicocktail and Helicocktail Co. So Helicocktail Co, no dot. And you could say the same thing for our uh, Instagram handle at Hella Bitters and Soda. The Bitters and Soda are available nationally in Whole Foods. So go check them out. As well as uh, Total Wine and More. And that's actually a really great place if uh, you want to go shopping and find all of our bitters flavors too. Awesome. Thanks, guys. If you're subscribed to the show, thanks for being part of the For All Drinks community. I'd be super grateful if you can take a moment to leave me a rating if you enjoyed this episode and the podcast. If you're not a subscriber yet, be sure to subscribe to this and all the other episodes of the podcast to start discovering more delicious non-alcoholic drinks. Lastly, visit foralldrinks.com for show notes to this episode and sign up for our newsletter to get the latest non-alcoholic beverage news, special giveaways, discounts, and more. Here's to drinking healthy, inclusively, and different.